0: Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians where Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have learned while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. On today's episode, we have Dr. Donna Coriel, spelled D-A-N-A. She can be found as Dr. Coriel on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. And this all started with a blog at drcoriel.com. And when she started blogging, it wasn't even medical at the beginning. She's a talented and prolific writer, and we discuss the ins and outs and advantages of blogging as a physician, the importance of having a social media presence, and how she started a rapidly expanding Facebook community for and by Doctors on Social Media called Doctors on Social Media. Welcome back to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. On today's episode, we have Dr. Donna Coriel of drcoriel.com, among other social media platforms. She is the godmother of social media docs. She created a Facebook platform where physicians on social media can communicate with each other and bounce ideas off each other, which serves to amplify our, vo- our voices. But this wasn't her first foray into social media. She's actually a prolific blogger and has a very active Twitter account. Um, So, Dr. Coriel, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Sure, and thank you for having me.
0: First, can you tell us a bit about your training?
1: Yes. um, I um was raised in I was born in Israel I was raised in um in LA uh right in the outskirts of LA in a place called Walnut I uh got my um bachelor's of science from UCLA in neuroscience and then I went to medical school at Sackler at Tel Aviv University Sackler back in Israel where I was born uh came back to New York to um tr- to train in residency at Albert Einstein University Medical Center, Montefiore Medical Center, um, and finished up internal medicine there. Um, I got my first job at Mount Sinai in New York City. I worked for the World Trade Center Medical Monitoring and Treatment Program. And shortly thereafter, at least five years later, um, I uh, decided to stay home to be mother of my three um, children, my three boys. Um, I became a mother during my internship year of residency. And that's when I started to blog.
0: And what were you blogging about at the time?
1: That's a great question. You know, I I didn't start out in a medical blog, actually. I started out um, extremely creative. The three years that I took off were um, years of self-discovery. There were years that I um, sort of discovered things about myself that I never knew I had these talents. Um, I started to love, um, creating, uh, with my hands. I would, um, entertain. I learned how to cook, to bake, to decorate, um, to refinish vintage pieces and things like that. And my first blog was actually called Snapshot of a Lottie da day. Um, I named it, um sort of out of the box, just for fun. I thought it was a a fun title and I could sort of blog about everyday life. I basically had a blog when I was at home and it was called Snapshot of a Eladida Day. It was just about everyday life. And then um, when I went back to medicine, um, after the three years off, I decided to start incorporating medical care. Um, I saw, uh, I actually saw Um, the connections that I was making behind the closed uh, exam room door, and I decided to take it out um, to the real world so that more patients could benefit from the exchanges that I had one-on-one on on a more virtual space, in a a, a bigger space. And that's where I started to incorporate medicine into my blog.
0: So if I'm understanding, uh, and to me, this is also some of the idea behind why I have this podcast, because I find myself saying the same things to patients over and over and over. And as a specialist, I think it would be beneficial to other people outside of my specialty to hear those things because they might learn something that they otherwise wouldn't know where for me, it doesn't require me to do a lot of, you know, I don't have to put together a PowerPoint presentation or, or do some research to just um, to, to be able to speak on a topic. Cause it's the, you know, it's, sending the same thing over and over. So you're saying that's what you're doing for your patients because you end up telling them the same things over and over. Why not just make this more accessible online in a blog format so that you can resonate with more people at the same time? Is that what you're saying?
1: Absolutely. So that's where it originally started that way. I said, wow, like I was having these amazing connection as an internist with, um, with my patients. And I said, why don't I have these same connections with more people? Like I'm spending, you know, my 15, 30 minutes one-on-one and I'm using metaphors and things to explain concepts. And people are like, whoa, like I never really understood because for me, quality is very important in a patient visit. And it's important for me to always have the patient understand. And so I like to simplify concepts. I like to make concepts fun to, to learn. So originally that's where I... I, um, turned to my blog is I thought I would kind of simplify concepts, but the, the blog definitely evolved, um, into my writing about healthcare. For example, I think it's the same sort of thing. It's analogous in that I'm still simplifying healthcare. Like I'm taking concepts that, um, the, the general public may not know about. So for example, um, Pre authorizations, right? We get on the phone and we um, have to fight for our patients. And there's a lot of little things that patients don't know are happening in the background. And so I wrote about it, like I wrote a story about it. And I think that that's very important as well um, when you're blogging and when you're sort of. when you're talking about healthcare is to let patients know what's going on behind the scenes that they may not know about because it's our voices that can change healthcare. And so um, the blog slowly evolved. From first, I was just basically um, speaking to patients about illnesses and diseases and sort of sharing um, work that was already published and then um, at some point, I started creating my own stories and my own um, commentaries and, and op-eds and things like that.
0: Yeah, that's what I found about a lot of your content is that it's, um, first, like there's always a story, right, to, 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 to help to ground it. Um, and it's not always something technical, but, you know, I found it to be personal, in some ways like it, it seems like these are these stories are coming from emotional places
1: absolutely i think that that's what appeals to readers is uh when you write from a personal place and, and it's almost like a vulnerable place we had discussed this offline um the it, the topic of vulnerability um I definitely open up a lot on the blog about certain issues. I mean, I definitely still, um, it's important for me to still stay private, even though I blog and I am present on all the social platforms. Um, it is important to still hold on to things um, that you consider private. But at the same time, I do like to dissect um life events and things that are, um, that bother me in healthcare and even happy moments in healthcare. But, um, like for example, I'm a very emotional person. So I wrote about emotions. I I called my story, emotions aren't just baggage, they're Louis Vuitton carry on, right? Because, um, First of all, it appealed to the reader to to read that, to see that title. Um, But secondly, to open up and tell people why being emotional is either good or bad is just very interesting. And when you're sort of comparing it to things that are day-to-day, like a Louis Vuitton carry-on, it just makes it more interesting. And um, again, I write about, sometimes I do write about illnesses and diseases and um, patient-physician relationships, but I always relate it to other things. So like another example is a recent story that I wrote called Embracing Rejection. The Beatles said go, go, go when my counselor said no, no, no. And it was about a personal story of my counselor um, in high school telling me not to apply to a university that I really wanted to go to because he said I wouldn't get in. And I don't really know why he said that, um, but I didn't listen to him and I applied and I made it in. Um, And the story kind of goes into like, why, why would somebody tell you not to do something? Um, First of all, because I got in, but secondly, because what is wrong with trying, even if you're going to be rejected, rejection is such a beautiful thing that you need to embrace because it, it, makes us appreciate when we actually do earn something. Um, We can't always be told yes, right? We need to appreciate being told yes when we are also told no. So these are sort of the kind of stories that I write about that make people, um, it makes it interesting to readers.
0: And what about making it interesting to yourself? I mean, obviously, if you're writing about it, it's something you find interesting. But what I mean more is like, how have you found this helps you to be a more fulfilled person.
1: Oh, I knew exactly what you meant, um, and I agree. I think this helps me tremendously. In fact, I first took it up because it was so um, it was so therapeutic for me that I really didn't care if people were going to read. And I think that's part of what makes me succeed. I always tell um, my readers, and I tell people in the group and everything that if tomorrow everything were to be taken away from me, I would still be a happy person. I really would. I just, I, I love, I love life. I'm an optimist. Um, I love looking at the glass half full. I love appreciating the other half of the glass. Um, I don't need people to read it and to like it. Um, I need to like it. I need to feel good about myself. So when I create a story, um, I mean, I'm also happen to be a perfectionist. So I keep, I always think that there's a, you know, th- that I can make it better. And so I go back and, and, and redo it and redo it and redo it until I finally am like, okay, now I'm going to publish it. Um, and even then I go back sometimes and change it around. But um, I'll put a story out there and it'll just make me feel good because I've said what I wanted to say. And it's just, it's therapeutic. Um. I I do really love the feedback, though. I love when people share and people comment and people sort of um, tell me that my stories have helped them to stay strong. But but I don't necessarily write for that. Um, I write because I really enjoy doing it and because it's therapeutic for me.
0: Well, one thing that we were also talking about before the show is the saying, every time you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And so, you know, clearly writing this, you enjoy it it's a creative outlet. Um, it makes you, it it sounds like it's bubbling inside of you and just getting it down on paper is, is an enjoyable experience and um, helps you to be a more well-rounded person. Um, but there is a downside to it because you're a mother of three, you're a physician and you have this active social media presence. So the, when you decided to start doing it what did you decide or what turned into the sacrifice that you made in order to find the time to do cre- sorry not find the time create the time to do this
1: yeah absolutely um it takes up a lot of time it eats up your time and so that's a sacrifice that i make um, I mean, I personally work a part time um, schedule. I, I definitely work more than the hours that I commit because I'm an internist and I have charting and all that. But um, I worked when I went back into medicine for my time off, I went back to a part-time position in internal medicine because, um, I wanted to allow myself the time to still do these kinds of things. I have this like artistic pull that I needed to satisfy. Um, but, but it's still a sacrifice. So I try not to let it get in the way of mothering. Um, but, when push comes to shove, this takes my time. That being said, it happens to truly, um, be, and I know it sounds cliche, but this happens to be my passion. So I love to do it. Um, I wake up and I think like, what am I going to write? I take showers and I come out of the shower and I have to go grab my phone and write in my notes section, the, the like three ideas I had while showering. It just really, um, helps me to be a better person and I honestly, and I've written about this, I feel like it makes us better physicians. Um, I feel like it helps us connect with patients better. It helps us think outside the box. It helps us be creative. It helps to um, innovate. It helps to lead others to be um, role models for others. And so, um, while I'm sacrificing a lot with, um, with my writing and all the time that I spend on the social media platforms, it also helps to, um, to better myself. So it's almost like, um, it's like giving me time. It's like me time when I write these things.
0: So it's a way for you to, for you to sequester time for yourself. Okay. I've decided to dedicate this much time to the blog which then also translates to donna time this is time for donna this is this is not for my patients this is i mean it has benefits to your patients but this is this is this and and i think it's very easy for us to let that go with all of our other obligations oh i sh- i shouldn't it's selfish i should be spending this time with my family oh i shouldn't i should be spending this time with my patients oh i shouldn't i you know and then you you, you sacrifice everything and there's nothing less to yourself. And then you end up not being as much of a person or a complete person as you can be for them when
1: you are with exactly. them. So it's my pastime. Yeah. So like, it's literally like, because I love it, like I'm not forcing myself to write. Um, and it's annoying to me, like, oh, I have to write, you know, I, I never think that because, I love it. And I also don't um I don't put the pressures that maybe others I I don't know if others do this, but I don't put the pressures of, well, I have to write a blog post now. Um, I really don't because I I don't feel that way. I feel like when it becomes that, I won't appreciate it anymore. Um, so I don't have any of those pressures on it. I know that I um have the time to do it, and honestly, because I love it so much it doesn't feel like work to me. It just feels completely like a natural thing to do. And it gives me pleasure. I I love to do it.
0: But to be clear, it is a financial sacrifice because this is time that because we, because you're working part time, this is time that you could be seeing more patients and there are always more patients that, um, but at the same time, like you said, you feel like it makes you a better doctor to the patients when you are Seeing oh. them, so it's a it's a financial sacrifice. Oh yeah,
1: it's it's a very very much of a financial sacrifice. It's one hundred percent of a, a you know it sucks my time. It actually like takes time. That being said, it's a great point to touch on because I think um, something that I teach the Somi Docs community. I know we're going to talk about the Somi Docs community, but something that I really say is just how many doors have opened thanks to everything that I'm doing. It's just incredible. Um, so. While I sort of did this because I loved it and did this because it was my pastime and my hobby and my passion, it has also led to such incredible things. And um, that's why I sort of decided at one point to open it up and to like push other doctors to do this, um, the doctors that are interested. So, so like the so Docs community.
0: Before we get to that, what about the advantages to your practice? Like are there patients that find you through the blog? Are there referring physicians that find you through the blog? Have you had other, and again, this is not, we're going to talk about your other social media platforms. Blogging is not your only social media platform. You're, you're very prolific in other areas as well. But of all of your different social media um, platforms, can you talk about concrete advantages that have come like Speaking oh, engagement absolutely. or increased patient volume or...
1: Oh, if this were a multiple choice uh, test, a question, I would say all of the above. <laughs> so um, literally uh, everything, I mean, from um, being quoted in uh, big media, um, you know, journal articles and, and, and journals, I mean, the um, a big gastroenterology publication reached out to me um, to talk about, again, th- this is more of the docs, so we'll talk about that in a second. But um, I mean, I've been asked to be... Guest faculty at one of one of the Harvard conferences that took place last April, and loved it. I've been invited back in 2019. Um, I'm conducting a roundtable next month at Harvard at one of the conferences for women leaders. Um, I've been asked to. uh, speak at uh, a Grand Cayman Conference for uh, female physician wellness. Um, and, and you know, and and, and some of these are, are paid positions. Um, I've been, you know, bestowed some uh, some honors um, from, for example, Medical Economics named me the top 10, uh, one of the top 10 internists to follow on Twitter. Um, I've had tons of things open up. I've also made incredible connections. I had um, a healthcare In my uh, county, we have. I I created this healthcare professional um, organization and group with some of the other female uh, healthcare providers in the area. And we had a meeting the other day at my house, and we were like going around just kind of talking. And it was amazing how I got to know some of these people based on my platform. So like each person was getting, it became a joke going around the circle that people got to know me because of my platforms. One person saw my blog and she was super curious and she, it was, she thought to herself, like I should write too. And another person said that she, you know, had seen my tweets. Um, So it also really connects and it helps to network and, I can't even begin to tell you how many physicians I've connected with, um, across the United States and even the world. And, um, it's just, it's just incredible. So, um, this has, this is multi-level this, this has benefits on many levels.
0: So let's talk about SOMI Docs then. This is, I have to say, I am very grateful for the SOMI Docs Facebook group because I have found people to be on this podcast and I have found listeners for this podcast on this group. So my podcast would probably at this point just consist of my friends and family who, that being said, are experts, right? My first my first guest was my brother who has a PhD in health policy um, from Harvard and, and worked on Obamacare. So he's definitely, and he's now he's a professor of, of health policy at a medical school. Um, so they're definitely experts, but it was able to rapidly expand beyond my circle because because of your group. So again, I am very, very grateful for the yeah. Docs Facebook group. Yeah. So let's just talk about that. What inspired you to start it and what has it been doing and why, why should more physicians be joining? Yeah.
1: It? So, I mean, I saw the amazing benefits of my own, um, efforts. And it was a a very lonely effort because nobody was doing it when I was doing it. Um, I was definitely looked at as, Um, doing something that wasn't traditional. I had interesting comments come to me, even from family and friends. um, What are you doing? Um, Physicians don't do this, this and that. And it really bothered me because I'd be part of all these like Facebook groups, for example, and none of them had physicians in them. And if anything, I think people found it odd that I was a physician and I was in groups. Um, Like why? I mean, it was just not an accepted thing. And I felt like there was something lacking there. And I also felt like there were so many benefits to what I was doing. I mean, I was feeling great. I was fulfilling a passion. Um, I was seeing so many of the the, the doors opening that I described earlier that I said, why don't other doctors do it, right? I mean, I'm doing it and I'm an internist, but there's people that are experts on everything. I mean, people that um, know a lot about headaches and there's people that know a lot about, I mean, Botox, right? There's people that know a lot about um, orthopedic surgery and At some point...
0: I can talk a lot about post-nasal drip. Exactly, right?
1: Yeah, and I'm sure there would be an audience for that. Um, But I said that lonely process, that lonely road that I felt on my journey, um, other doctors are probably feeling it too, and they're probably not even realizing how amazing it is to actually blog, and um, maybe they think it's not okay. So I said, I'm going to create a group so that we can all do this together, and we can almost mimic these other Facebook groups of all of these bloggers and Pinterest groups and this and that. And there isn't really one for physicians. I'm going to make it okay for physicians to do this. And that's where I decided, let me do doctors on social media. And then I started like, kind of ask the group, like what hashtags should we use? And, you know, I kind of use the rules that I use for myself with branding, which we could talk about, you know, spend a whole podcast talking about, but um, keeping that hashtag really short and kind of catchy and fun. And that's where um um so Me docs uh was created so "Somi" being uh short for social media so Me docs social media doctor so for anyone who's looking to use social media to um, expand either their business to make changes to healthcare, to beat burnout like i did um you can really use social media for so many different reasons and so Me docs was born
0: and you can just join the group and lurk and learn, right? You join the group, and you just reading the other posts to see what's out there. Because if you haven't figured out what you want your outlet to be on social media, or you know, or whether you've just if you're wavering on having a social media presence, or you've just started a page, you don't know how to get it started. You want a blog, but you don't know the nuts and bolts of it. You have a community of physicians, and human beings are tribal we're we're genetically tribal by nature so you find your tribe and you help your tribe and you protect your tribe and physicians are a tribe right and so we have a tendency to help each other expecting nothing in return so if you go on there and you ask for a piece of advice how do i get started you know what what do people think about this topic you are going to get a lot of feedback and and uh, you know a lot of it is going to be very helpful in terms of getting you started and getting you motivated. Um, because when you see what other people are doing out there, that's also very motivating. Like, look at what all this great content that all these people have put out there. Um, and it can also help you find your niche. So there are so many reasons to, to, to join that community. Yeah.
1: So that I, I agree. And I think it's been, an extremely supportive community. And so, you know, I, I, really haven't seen any fights break out. Obviously, you know, it's Facebook, people are faceless there. And so, um, it's sometimes easy in other, you know, in other Facebook groups, um, I've noticed people will easily, you know, start name calling and, and be, um, want to get in a fight because it's not face to face. It's not like that on Docs. We're all respectful. We're all physicians. There is so much, um, there are so many productive posts that are shared. I personally do try and stay active there as the admin of the group. Um, I try and stimulate conversation. I try and post um interest, not only interesting posts, but but posts that get um involvement. Um, so even just sharing URLs, like sharing the, the, the handles, right? Twitter handles of the uh, group members. That helps because it gets connections. It gets people to like each other's or follow each other's Twitter, Twitter accounts, and it helps us grow.
0: And it makes our voices louder. I think it's, it's so important because you see celebrities making recommendations for people's health, like Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop, or they're talking about the healing power of crystals and they have millions of followers and they're spreading misinformation and that's a dangerous thing. So we're experts. We're worried. Right. And I think people are worried about getting sued, right? They're worried about getting sued. And so, you know what? People have thrown that comment out in social media. What what do I do? What do I put on my blog or my Twitter account to make a disclaimer to, I mean, we're not lawyers. Some of us are. Actually, there, there are a couple of lawyer physicians out there. Um, I mean, you don't have them on retainer, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just bouncing friendly advice around so that we can be, and then you see other people are doing it so you can be less afraid to do it. Cause you're not the one doctor who's putting medical, I mean, you can't make a HIPAA violation. But you can put information out there and that's your thing. You put it in a, in a way that your patients can consume it. And then we become part of the conversation again, rather than just, you know, complaining to each other in the lunchroom about you know the healing power of crystals one of my patients brought in their crystals again and they wanted to know what the dose should be
1: oh gosh yeah that's that's also part of what um what why i initially started this is because i um i saw the pseudoscience out there and it really bothered me not only the pseudoscience actually but even things like physician reviews i saw someone um that i knew a colleague of mine um reviewed poorly, not even reviewed. It was just a, a, a an ugly post that was written about um, him on a Facebook group. And it was a general like community Facebook group. And I was appalled because I said to myself, he doesn't even know that the post is there, that he's now been badmouthed to like thousands of community members. And it's not true. Um, and he can't defend himself, even if he knew it was there. Um, he can't really break HIPAA to like, give his side of the story. And it was just all in all a bad situation. And that was actually the first healthcare article that I wrote. It was, I submitted it to Kevin MD and I had it um, published on his site. And this was years ago and I loved it. I just felt really good to put my thoughts into words. So yeah, it's changing healthcare by writing about it so that people know a little bit more um, what is happening from art point of view from the physician point of view. And it's also drowning out, drowning out pseudoscience. But I think legalities are important. I think that it's sad that um, physicians have to be careful, but we do because we're, you know, we're the leaders in healthcare. And so what we say really matters. And so we have to really be careful about not giving out any specific information and sort of keep to generalities. And, um, and that's really important, I think.
0: Right. Not giving specific medical advice to someone over. You're not their Twitter exactly. doctor. So if someone
1: Absolutely.
0: texts you a picture of a rash, you shouldn't respond on, on social oh, media. Wow. But at the same time, personally, I think it's ridiculous that I have to start each episode when I uh, interview a physician who's actually giving some medical information. Um, right, We just had one recently about about back pain that, you know what, I'm not your doctor. Wow and i'm not giving you medical advice right now the fact that i have to say that is a little ridiculous they should know that i'm not their doctor but still i have to say that in order to well, in order to protect I, them.
1: I that's absolutely ridiculous and honestly i could talk about this for hours because that's something that really irks me is just the like le- the legal issues in medicine and the fact that we, you know, just, just the the need for tort reform and the fact that we have to not constantly watch our back and not be able. And I think it's actually hurting healthcare tremendously. It's one of the biggest problems in healthcare today, but anyway, that's for another episode.
0: It's actually episode two. Wow. If you want to get involved in advocacy, I interviewed someone about some of the easy ways, without devoting much time that you can be an effective advocate for yourself because you know what? the trial the trial lawyers have a huge lobby. And so their interest is, they say, protecting their patients, wow. but they do they maybe make a lot of money, quote, protecting the patients from from us. Um, I mean, I think patients so do, there's definitely a conflict. Right. Of interest, I think patients but, do
1: absolutely need protections. I mean, I love absolutely. my patients, but like it's gone the other way. It's, they're, they're, yeah. There's just way too much legalities to the point where we're all sort of um, just watching our backs nonstop. And that's not where you want your doctor to be, right? You want your doctor to just straight out, like tell you how it is and, and treat you. And you don't want him to have to even like, You don't have to want him to spend five minutes out of the 10 minutes he's with you, right? Talking about all the possibilities just to, you know, CYA, to cover your ass. Excuse my language. <laughs> uh, so um, you know, those are important things. And I think that um again, that's something that is that is important to blog about, to tweet about is healthcare and how health issues like legalities in healthcare. Um, I think we can definitely make a difference in the world if we take to blogging and to all the social media platforms. Um and we can we can certainly make a difference in the world in that way.
0: So let's let's that's an excellent segue. So now one of our listeners has been inspired to start a blog. How do they do it? Give us a basic intro, some of the nuts and bolts, which, mm-hmm. which web hosting and WordPress. And what are the, some of those words mean? How do you, you, you've got your laptop sitting in front of right. you. You've written something on Word. Right. How do you start a blog
1: okay so this is off the top of my head um, so first and foremost you gotta pick a niche if you want I did not pick a niche I wanted to just write so I write about my family and medicine all in the same blog um, but you if you really have a niche it's easier if you know that you are a neurologist and you want to talk about headaches um, then that's your niche then um, you would want to find a name you would want to brand yourself. And you'd want to brand yourself with a name that you would keep consistent in your uh, blog name and in all of your social media platforms. So doing that requires some investigating and some research because you want you want the website to, first of all, be available, right? So you have to always um, go to the internet and look up the different names that you're interested in. And uh, the name that you would want to pick has to be relatively easy to say. It has to roll off the tongue. It has to sound good. It has to be easy to pronounce. Um, I usually tell people, don't, um, don't choose words that are difficult to spell. Um... There may be specifics that are specific to you. I always use my own example. I'm Dr. Coriel, uh, and I'm not Dr. Donna Coriel, for example, because I spell my name D-A-N-A and it looks like Dana. So I didn't want people calling me Dana Coriel <laughs> nonstop. So those are specific considerations that could be like particular to you. Um, so, you know, you also have to consider your, your the social media handles. So if you're going to pick a blog, a blog name, um, you're probably going to eventually start uh, different. Uh, social media uh, handles, uh, start different uh, accounts on the social media uh, platforms that are in existence. So I'm Dr. Coriel. I have a Facebook, a Twitter, a Pinterest, an Instagram account. They're all Dr. Coriel too. It's easier for your followers to find you across the different platforms. You wouldn't want to be Dr. Donna Coriel on one uh, platform and then Dr. Coriel on another one, and then Dr. D. Coriel on another one. You want consistency. So that's another thing I would do. and then. You're ready to start your blog once you find your name. And so you, I mean, I do it on WordPress. Um, s- some people ask, should I do WordPress.com or WordPress.org? Um, I, a long time ago, learned that WordPress.org was smarter right off the bat. Um, it's not easier to use. It's, it's actually harder to use because you're basically controlling everything and building everything from scratch. But, um, but it gives you the freedom to then um, do with it what you want. You own it. As opposed to WordPress.com, um, and you need a host, a hosting, uh, like a hosting uh, company. So I use HostGator, but you know there's others out there like GoDaddy and things like that. Um, and then you basically you start. Um, you just write. Um, you have to get all kinds of apps installed into your, the, the back end of your blog, which can be extremely complicated. Um, I did it on my own, um, for the most parts and most people can do it on their own, but I, as we're very busy physicians, sometimes it may work out financially to get somebody to you know, to do it for you. It literally just depends on time and finances. Those are the two rate limiting factors with um, actually running the blog.
0: And the economics seem pretty straightforward because you know about how much you make per hour seeing patients. And if it takes you a bunch of time to sort out some of this stuff, then your time is probably better spent seeing patients and then outsourcing Rather than struggling and struggling and struggling yeah. doing uh, a lot of it. Yourself. Yeah,
1: I agree completely. I agree completely. And and by the way, yet another thing we didn't mention when you blog, because I'm thinking of the back end, is you can also, you can make money by blogging because we were talking about all the time that you spend doing all of this. Um, blogging can actually um, give bring you money, you know, whether it's advertisements that you insert inside which you know there are ethical um considerations to consider as a physician i'm not saying to like endorse a medication but like so you know the little ads that pop up um on adsense and, and and such things you can make money that way you can make money with sponsors that want to be affiliated and you can make money many different ways um and that'll-
0: have you been approached by pharmaceutical companies to put ads for drugs on no. your blog no. no i wonder if that's a
1: thing right oh I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, no, I have not. Uh, and again, I am extremely, uh, careful with legalities and with, uh, you know, I, I want to still say, stay true to who I really am and what I believe in. And so I'll put disclaimers if I need to, um, yeah, I mean, I I'm, I really pay particular attention to like the statements that I make, uh, and I want to make sure that nobody can misinterpret. Although, again, nowadays anyone can say that you said anything, and uh, it's just unfortunate.
0: This this episode of Physicians' Guide to Doctoring brought to you by Libator. <laughs> no, really, not just or made Custor. that up. This is completely unfortunate. Or the
1: generic, right? The cheaper the, or the, the statin, yeah. or a suvastatin. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, so that's what you do, and then you start blog. And what's really cool about blogging is that you can blog at your own pace. So you don't have to blog. I mean, some people say like make a sort of make a schedule and stick to it, but you don't have to. I mean, there's there's weeks where I'm tired. There's weeks where you know I, I really value traveling. There's weeks where I'm you know, or a few days where I'll take off to go traveling. Um, it's okay to be gone. Um, it's, it's up to you. Again, it just depends on your endpoint and what you're trying to achieve. If, if you're looking to be, you know, tomorrow's megastar, you're probably not going to make it by blogging unless you have something like spectacular to share with the world that like nobody knows about. But most of us are just regular people that are, you know, going to work in and out of work. And we're, we're all parenting or we're all kind of living with our own issues. And, um, you know, Blogging is just a really cool therapeutic way to um, put yourself out there and to talk about issues that are interesting to you. Have you marketed your blog at all? Uh, no, meaning have I paid to like to have it advertised?
0: Yeah, I mean, aside from, I mean, I, I'd say yes. You created a, a, this amazing Facebook group, which in and of itself is marketing on, on top of just creating this what became a self sustaining community. Right. Uh, but but something that you would have done just to put more eyeballs on your blog. No,
1: so I have not, if you, okay, that's a great question. Great question. Marketing is so huge now. Um, no, I have not put money into marketing my blog. And I'm actually proud of that now that you asked me that. No, not a single um, penny as far as I can remember. No, I do not put financial marketing into place with my blog or my social media platforms. I love to talk about them and to, to, to engage on social media, and that is marketing, but it's not for money. So, um, and that, and, and that kind of limits you, right? Because Facebook, I have a Facebook page, which is limited. I have, at this point, I don't know how many, 1,800, 1,900 followers, and yet my followers don't see my work because Facebook wants my money. They want me.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. They want me
0: they to- They change their page. algorithm exactly. looking for people to- totally to spend more money. Exactly.
1: And by the way, that's what we talk about in SoMedox. is how do we beat this algorithm, right? Because you've got like this group of 1900 plus physicians that are gathered in this like secret Facebook groups, physician only, and we're trying to beat these like algorithms. So um, we're putting all our brains together and saying, how do we, you know, what kind of ways can we find to get our work seen? Um so I I do market not financially I market by just sharing you know tweeting um if I tweet about an article that I just wrote then I get it retweeted by people that really like it or I have ways of like um embedding um the tweet icon into my blog and people can sort of tweet cool sayings that I have from my stories um there's little things like that that I've learned along the way that can help to market myself by not paying
0: you create connections
1: exactly and network
0: so what platforms let's let's do some of that now what platforms are you on and where can people find you
1: so i am dr coriel everywhere d-r-c-o-r-r so dr coriel and i'm on um i'm on instagram i love taking iphone photos i call myself I, i it's half of a joke, but it's not. I'm an iPhone photographer. So I love taking really cool photos. I just wrote on my blog, 13 tips um, on taking fabulous iphone photos um so
0: my wife just got a new phone and it's got the portrait
1: mode love the portrait mode
0: oh my god the (laughs) picture she takes of our two boys amazing
1: exactly so portrait's amazing but there's also just really cool ways of i give some tips about angles and different things you could do um i love to edit so instagram um Twitter, I'm close. I'm somewhere around the 2,800 followers, which is amazing um, to some people, but to other people who have hundreds of thousands of followers, it's it's not that great. But the bottom line is I love to tweet. I love to um, engage with people on Twitter. Um, like I said, medical economics gave me that honor, which was so nice in three months, I was able to garner so many followers and it wasn't hard. Um, and on my blog, you can find Twitter tips, 14 Twitter tips to how to tweet and how to engage with other physicians and other, um, and patients. Um, so I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn is a huge one lately that I've been extremely active on. Um, Facebook, Uh, yeah, and and they're all different like you could literally do a podcast on Each and every one of those platforms how to use it and what kind of benefits do they provide for your um, whatever it is that you seek to to gain
0: Well, I think you've just obligated yourself to do another episode I'd
1: be happy to come on another time in the future
0: Well, is there anything else that you want to discuss today that you think that we may have missed?
1: I think we've said plenty. I think i've said plenty
0: very comprehensive episode. I, I really appreciate you creating the group, which has allowed me to proliferate and um, and making a stand for physicians and our patients and really putting yourself out there. So I appreciate everything that you're doing. Your patients appreciate it. Your, the other doctors appreciate it. And thank you again for taking the time to talk to me today.
1: Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much for all the compliments. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Okay.
0: That was Dr. Bradley Block at The Physician's Guide to Doctoring. Find all previous episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and write us a review. You can also visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash physician's guide to doctoring. If you are interested in being a guest or have a question for a prior guest, send a message or post a comment.